passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello and welcome everybody to today's post daily news update for Friday, July the 1st. It is the beginning of the month here. I am leading the ship. John Pollock, uh, who did a great job, of course, with Eric Marcotte on in this space today. He will be joining me tonight for Rewind a Smackdown slash Rampage. And because it is the beginning of the month, I wanted to remind everybody that it is the very best time to sign up for the Post Wrestling Cafe. G1 coverage begins on July the 16th. We also have Rewind a Smackdown and Rampage every Friday. Rewind away every other week. MCU later, where we'll be talking about Ms. Marvel as well as Thor Love and Thunder later on this month, and access, of course, to our entire 400 bonus show archive. So if you enjoy this show and if you want to support the channel, consider signing up at postwrestlingcafe.com. But joining me today in John's place is Kate from Montreal. Happy Canada Day, Kate. Happy Canada Day to you, too. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. This has been a while since I've done the news. So. Has it really? Well, you know, it's been too long and you picked a good show to uh, be a part of because we have a lot of stories. And from what I understand, you are on very little sleep. So this should be very fun. Yeah, I I am. So if this goes off the rails, it's entirely my fault. I I slept between 5 a.m. and 7 a.m. And it's, uh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty loopy. We, we got you on a good day. I can tell this will be a good one already. So let's just get into some of these top stories here. The first of which is involving AEW's Blood and Guts on Wednesday. AEW Dynamite's Blood and Guts, the June 29th episode of Dynamite from Detroit, featuring Blood and Guts average 1,023,000 viewers and a 0.36 in the 18 to 49 demographic per Brandon Thurston and show buzz daily it was dynamite's highest viewership since march the 23rd and their highest in the, in the demo in a month for the since the june 1st episode from inglewood california dynamite was number one among cable originals in 18 to 49 males 18 to 49 18 to 34 12 to 34 and 35 to 49 well ahead of the real housewives of beverly hills uh, which finished second on cable with a 0.27 Females, 12 to 34, were also up 21% compared to the four-week average, as were people 25 to 54. Uh, however, as noted by Brandon Thurston on the WrestleNomics Patreon, which you should also sign up for at the beginning of the month, Dynamite was actually down 3% in the demo for the month compared to uh, June of 2021, despite a shorter NBA Finals this year. Nonetheless, the press train from uh, Tony Khan and AEW uh, was was in full effect here. Tony Khan tweeting, thank you to everybody who watched Dynamite last night, where we were Wednesday's number one show on cable and satellite. We had over one million viewers in the U.S. alone and many more all over the world. Two years in a row, Blood and Guts is at number one. 
uh, Warner themselves uh, tweeted something out as well. But uh, yeah, Kate, uh, blood and guts doing well. Any surprise mm-hmm. to you? Um, I wouldn't exactly say it's a surprise as much as a validation, which is that number among female viewers. I think there is a pernicious myth about within the wrestling community that uh, women don't like the the more violent aspects of uh, professional wrestling. I've never bought into that. I mean, both because it's it's not a it's not a particular issue for me, but I, I just don't see it. And even if you look at things like uh, movie viewing, uh, women, uh, I think it's because women don't say watch action movies as much as men. But if you look at the audience for things like horror movies, women uh, watch them just as much as men. So that women's number, I think, should put to bed any kind of uh, a- any kind of debate about whether or not women are willing to tune in for. A, a very violent show because I mean you're you're calling it blood and guts. It's blood and guts. You know what you're getting, and uh, so to to do a number like that, especially among younger women, is pretty impressive because AEW has struggled with the the female demographic more than any other. It's a you know very well promoted show. To see numbers up across the board um, is I think uh, understandable and absolutely mm-hmm. right. Great point. You know, um, I, I I'm sure plenty of people who watch horror movies are not just men. So. Uh, that is a uh, interesting note here, but uh, maybe a more interesting note is also from our own John Pollock, who said in Canada, the show averaged one hundred sixty-one thousand viewers and ninety-three thousand nine hundred in the twenty-five to fifty-four demographic on TSN two, which doubles the recent average for the previous four episodes uh, at seventy-nine thousand viewers, basically. So. Um, now, uh, it was Dynamite's highest viewership in Canada since December the 1st of 2021. It also defeated Raw in the 25 to 54 demo while Raw was ahead in overall viewers. So mm-hmm. uh, doing tremendously well this episode is on um, in Dynamite. So very interesting yeah. as well. I think in Canada, too, the interesting thing about that is that it's disproportionately high. Like If you look at the population, it should be about 10%. So mm-hmm. 160,000 to 1 million means that they actually proportionally got a larger audience in Canada. Absolutely. And and it does, of course, continue to um, signify the great abundance of interest in AEW um, north of the border. So I have to imagine this, you know, further incentivizes Tony Khan if he's not already incentivized enough already to bring a show over here. Uh, mm-hmm. So that is AEW Blood and Guts. Now, further on the AEW front, we have some preliminary information about Forbidden Door. This comes to us from Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics again, who tweeted yesterday that Forbidden Door has sold, or sorry, Ted, yeah, yesterday. Forbidden Door has sold about 127,000 pay-per-view buys between AEW's usual carriers and New Japan World. You can find further detail, of course, on his WrestleNomics Patreon, uh, but you, AEW's usual carriers and New Japan World uh, would, of course, indicate, uh, you know, traditional uh, fight, traditional pay-per-view, as well, of course, uh, New Japan World here, where Brandon indicates that 7,000 of these 127,000 um, would have come from New Japan World. 
if we were to take this number, which of course is a uh, projection and a very educated estimate, uh, but final numbers may differ. If we were to take this number and place it into the context of AEW, this would place Forbidden Door behind every AEW pay-per-view since Double or Nothing 2021, the last pay-per-view without CM Punk, and also the last pay-per-view to take place from Daily's Place during the pandemic. So um, this is also, I think, important to note that it is, uh, of course, a co-promoted event. So we're currently unaware of how revenue is uh, split between the two promotions. But uh, obviously, Kate, you know, this card from the beginning was very much an experiment um, plagued with a number of uh, yeah. variables. I, uh, yeah. I, don't, I can't speak. Obviously, it's anecdotal. But I know I spoke to a number of people in the run up to the show who, as big names like Punk, like Danielson, dropped out. Uh, they said, OK, well, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to. I'm going to pass on this one. I think also you're you're talking about a card where a huge chunk of the uh, performers were going to be unknown to the near mythical casual audience, and that makes it that that makes it a slightly more difficult sell. I think everyone projected that this was going to do less than the more recent um, uh, AEW uh, pay per views. Uh, I do notice. I remember John uh, sort of setting his bar around 115 so they exceeded that and so i'd say that's pretty successful given everything that went wrong and the newness of the the idea and the fact that i also wonder if it might have been hampered a little by the fact that new japan in the last year or so since covid has taken a bit of a hit in terms of their reputation uh they are not the the hot promotion they used to be i think that they're starting to feel that way again but they they didn't have the cachet that they might have in like 2018. Mm. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, speaking of bars, I mean, Tony Khan's own bar, as he revealed in the press conference, was 100,000. Now, I mm-hmm. have to assume that maybe this was a qualification that was uh, adjusted after CM Punk dropped out, and maybe after a number of yeah. other injuries took place. Nonetheless, well above what he has publicly stated was his yeah. expectation. So I have to consider it a success. And again, for further detailed breakdown, including breakdowns of net revenue compared to other AEW pay-per-views, do subscribe to the WrestleNomics on Patreon. Also check out WrestleNomics Radio this Sunday on the on the free post feed or on WrestleNomics' own YouTube channel for, I'm sure, a further breakdown and an analysis of these numbers. Logan Paul has signed with the WWE. This was, uh, I believe, breaking news during yesterday's post-daily news update, but um, we do have, uh, of course, information and confirmation, or at least a photo, in this case, of Logan Paul signing his WWE contract with Stephanie McMahon and also uh, Paul Levesque here. So uh, Logan Paul has signed. He is the uh, social media influencer and entrepreneur, took to the news that he has signed with WWE. Paul made his pro wrestling in-ring debut at WrestleMania 38. This past Monday on Raw, Miz stated that he and Paul were going to be teaming up again at SummerSlam on July 30th, although we will see if the angle evolves as the two recently had a split after WrestleMania. Uh, Your thoughts, Kate, on the signing of Logan Paul? I think it's predictable. Uh, He got a good reaction among WWE fans for his match at WrestleMania. Uh, I think that the baggage attached to him uh, could actually end up working in his favor with a lot of WWE fans. Personally, uh, I have no patience for the man. I'm not interested in seeing him. I 
I don't even like I, I don't even comment on his his skill or his progress in the ring because I'm just I I'm not inter- I, I'm not interested in seeing him and I don't want to I'm never going to get behind him and that's that's my personal thing. Um, I think for me one of the the tipping points was the comments he made uh, a couple years ago uh, that uh, like. Uh, against uh, an opponent of his, uh, yeah, who uh, I guess his partner had had an abortion, and uh, Logan Paul said that that was murdering babies. He later clarified that he's pro-choice. Uh, I think hell of a week to pick to announce that signing. WWE, bravo! Yeah, you uh, dug out this link, you know, from 2019 that I was not personally aware about. I mean, essentially, you, you, you know, as you stated, the, the, here's the article here. Um, don't really want to maybe specifically say it, but, you know, in the midst of the trash talk with this fight with KSI, he, he made a comment about how, you know, KSI had had many abortions with prior partners and he was, you know, essentially going to, he, he was using it as trash talk. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, very, very, uh, questionable. Um, but I think, you know, one of only many controversies attached to, uh, Logan Paul yeah. in particular, you know, and, and, and that, that was a personal breaking, sorry, that mm-hmm. was a personal breaking point for me. Others, the other people may have other ones or they may be, be fine with him. And, uh, I think like, uh, yeah, to me that, that comment crossed the line that see, you know, MJF had made a, a joke sort of not along the same lines, but about the same subject. And I didn't have as much of a problem with that just because of the, the tone and because, um, anyway, that is, it is what it is. Uh, I suspect that he'll, he'll do well for WWE. I, I don't think they would have assigned him if they didn't believe that he was going to be a draw. You know, you look no further than the, the figurehead of the company uh, himself, you know, who is, is very much kind of um, in the midst of, um, I think, weathering negativity in in the mainstream press uh for things that he had prior actions and for whatever reason you know it feels like people like that can thrive in a professional wrestling environment which Mm -hmm. i don't know what that says about the professional wrestling audience or just the fact that you know i don't know there's a there's a level of dislike that is appreciated i suppose um Mm -hmm. but Uh, it's the heat it, it, the the heat is is real. They want that. Uh, I would say that uh, also. I mean, Linda McMahon, the after the Supreme mm-hmm. Court decision, tweeted her support. Having run twice for the Senate as a pro-choice candidate, she tweeted that uh, the Supreme Court decision was a great victory. If I were running a professional wrestling promotion, I would think very carefully about the possible downside of women losing autonomy over their bodies insofar as it would affect their ability to do that kind of work just mm-hmm. as a as a business decision now on the other side of the, do you feel like the, there's there's an element of their thinking that feels like they are gaining any sort of support through or, or do you think that you know it's i mean we've seen a pretty apolitical stance from a, a you know at least wwe uh products on tv itself um, I don't mm-hmm. know what sort of jurisdiction they would have. Obviously, if it's Linda, maybe like you know Vince would be like, "Hey, like watch this," but or, but but she's also a political figure. Uh, separate. Yeah, and uh, look, she was a member of cabinet. She still runs a, a very large uh, pro pro Trump Republican super PAC. Um, 
so that's, you know, I think that the, it's very possible to separate, to maybe separate her opinions from the public position of the company. Um, look, they may, I think that they have very much positioned themselves as apolitical. And I, I notice more and more that that is not just the company, but that it's filtered down through the talent. I think that there are a number of performers who are maybe quite, who are maybe quite outspoken on issues before. And I guess this time, uh, Given that there was a huge reaction among indie performers and even AD, and AEW performers as well, um, although AEW took no no stance either way, uh, the it there was very very few people with within WWE who said anything. So I think maybe there is a tendency to try to keep the company and everyone in it uh, fairly neutral politically. Which I guess if you're trying to cast the widest net in terms of grabbing an audience, then mm. any, any company will tell you, you try to offend the fewest people possible. We move on now to Jeff Hardy where Jeff Hardy uh, story came out yesterday where the per PW insider, Jeff Hardy on Tuesday has filed a written plea of not guilty to his DUI arrest in Florida earlier this month. Hardy is slated for arraignment this coming Tuesday, July 5th. The DUI charge is his third offense in 10 years, which in Florida is a felony that is punishable with up to five years in prison. PW Insider also notes that Hardy is currently out on bail and that he had entered a rehab facility on June the 21st. And uh, despite the fact that, you know, uh, I am certainly not a lawyer, Kate, um, what is, uh, and you're not a lawyer as well, but what what is perhaps your understanding of the... um, common how common something like this is uh in, in I, these situations i have i'm not a lawyer i i have worked in the past as a researcher which included doing some research into legal statutes uh there's a, a very there's an informative uh thread or post on reddit uh from someone who purports to be a lawyer can't be confirmed but what this person said uh rang true the like, the I guess uh, agreed with what I knew about things like uh, rules of discovery, which is that it's almost a not guilty plea can be almost a form of a placeholder because of the, the delays in getting in defense lawyers, getting material for discovery, which is just the, the disclosure that uh, prosecutors have to make. So this may not show an intention to actually dispute the charge, which I think given the, the, uh, the, the evidence. evidence that we've heard against him is, is pretty, <laughs> pretty damning. Mm-hmm. Uh, this may just be um, a, a tactic to, so that to give them time to review all of the, uh, all of the evidence against him to determine if there are any, um, if there are any technical grounds on which to contest the uh, the charges, if the arrest was done properly, if something like the the the, te- the uh, breathalyzer test was administered properly, those mm-hmm. you know, and look, a lawyer should do those things. That's mm-hmm. what they're there to do. Uh, so I I wouldn't jump to the conclusion that this is uh, that this is truly a not guilty plea in the way that we normally understand it. So yeah. Yeah, that, and that is my understanding as well. So, you know, despite how the headline looks, even though it is a very accurate headline, of course, the reporting, of course, is accurate. Uh, there is a bit more nuance to just, you know, simply reading Jeff Hardy pleads not guilty seems to be a pretty commonplace action. 
uh, ahead of everything. So uh, we will get further Better updates on that. Better call Saul. Yes. Uh, further uh, updates uh, also here to Alan Angels, who on what is it? Friday, Thursday now on Thursday mm-hmm. confirmed that his contract with AEW has expired. Uh, let me bring up Mr. Uh, Alan Angels here. Here, uh, Alan Angels took to social media yesterday to confirm that he is no longer with All Elite Wrestling and that his contract has expired. Uh, let's read a bit about his from his statement here. Uh, Alan Angels says, time to grind. As of June 30th, my AEW contract has expired. Nothing but grateful for the two years I spent there. I love AEW. It was slash is the best place ever to work. Got to wrestle some of the best wrestlers in the world on a weekly basis, as well as travel to some of the most amazing cities and meet some of the best fans in the world. There are no hard feelings between myself and AEW or Tony Khan. Now, uh, Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful also had a chance to speak to Ellen Angels uh, where he revealed that he was told about the non-renewal about a month and a half ago. He was also he also revealed that he had turned down a per-appearance deal. Uh, in the interview, he says, I feel me going on the indies and showing people what I can really do and showing people that I am a good fucking wrestler. I feel that will raise my stock. Not saying it's impossible to do that in AEW, but I guess the perception, how fans perceive Alan Angels, is that I'm a bottom guy in Dark Order, and I feel I can change that outside of AEW. Angels is currently 24. He already has indie dates booked. And this, of course, Cake follows Stu Grayson's exit from the Dark Order. Uh, what are your thoughts on Alan Angels' exit, as well as the future of the faction? I think that the faction is on borrowed time, honestly. They, they've lost, obviously, tragically, they lost their leader. Uh, losing Grayson, who to me is, was probably the greatest raw talent in that group, at least in, in ring, uh, I think did not bode well for it. Angels is slightly different uh, than Grayson to me. I think they're both tremendously talented, but as you said, 24 years old. He has lots of time to prove himself. And I suspect that the door is very much open for him to return at some point to AEW. I think he'll have no problem getting indie bookings. I fully expect that he's going to show up on GCW sooner rather than later. And I think this is a great, I I think this is the best move for him because he, he really needs to get more reps. He needs to be able to develop uh, his own, uh, his own distinctive character and way we've talked about this every single time I've been on post three hours of TV a week with that roster. It's just, it, it it's not tenable. The people who are not uh, at, not at their peak are going to get, are going to get trampled to a certain extent. And so I think that this is absolutely the best move for him. I'm shocked that this dude was born in 1998. He is, Incredible. Shocked that anyone was born in 1998. <laughs> Jeez. So that means when he signed, like he he was what it was what, like two three, two three years ago. Like he he was incredibly young. So I mm-hmm. agree with you, Kate. You know, um, when AEW when he first signed with AEW, I, I mean, at that point, it's it looked like there was there was space for a guy like Alan mm-hmm. Angels. Now, not so much. And if he no. was just going to stay here in this system, continuing to walk, work dark on occasion, um. And not really being much of a presence. I I do agree. Yeah, this is probably a better move for him to make. If he is as motivated as he sounds in this statement, if he can go out there, have bangers, really build up his name value, and then potentially return in the future, boy, would a reunion with the Dark Order be wonderful. Maybe, oh, like, yeah. you know, five yeah. years down the line. That, wouldn't that mm-hmm. be great? 
but uh, I, I, it's inspiring, honestly, you know, to see guys like leave their comfort zone and to go out into the unknown because they believe in themselves. The, the other good thing that I would say about this is the fact that he mentioned that he was told about the non-renewal a month to six weeks ago. That has been a problem that we've heard about with AEW. And this is, it was something that came up with like Marco Stunt and Joey Janela that they said that they're just, you know, they've been sort of ghosted and were left to figure out for themselves more or less. Now, obviously that is their version, but uh, it did come out from a couple of people. The fact that he's saying that, no, this was handled properly gives me hope that the company has once again learned from past mistakes and are growing accordingly so that's uh, i hope that's a positive sign for the future i'm very curious to see what they do with the dark order i believe uh, dynamite is in rochester next week you know of course which is sort of um you know spiritual home base of course the former uh the 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 uh the the home of, of Brody lee um, so I'm curious to see what sort of dark order, um, involvement we get on the show itself. And those dwindling numbers, I think, uh, you know, the optics of it probably aren't, aren't great. You know, like at some point they're going to have to maybe mention the, um, their dwindling numbers. Um, but yeah, how, you know, do they have one last storyline to explain perhaps a, a breakup? Do they add more members? Uh, or do they just continue and, you know, just occasionally lose a member here and there while still somehow maintaining what this is? Don't know. We shall find out. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Uh, we have some updates to New Japan Pro Wrestling talent here as a uh, big news cycle continues to roll on here. Uh, changes have been made to the upcoming New Japan Road shows. Alex Coughlin is uh, currently out with a left calf muscle injury. He is off the show, as is Yudo Nakashima, who has a left elbow injury. Yo has tested positive for COVID, although he should be cleared for July 5th and his never six-man tag team title shot. Doki is also currently out after being in contact with somebody with COVID. So uh, for more updates on those lineup changes, please visit New Japan, NJPW1972.com. Our last story here, Kate, or at least our second last story, maybe we should uh, bring up. Um, there was a match. Uh, there was a GCW event that took place on Thursday called Dead on Arrival, DOA uh, from Detroit. Almost truth in advertising. <sighs> This featured a match between Slade and Hoodfoot, a um, uh, two two uh, deathmatch wrestlers that that are uh, that that wrestle for GCW. And now you know GCW. I think you know often comes up. Um, I think what makes the most headlines with GCW for the greater audience, you know, are things like um, like the comedy gimmicks, perhaps you know, maybe maybe Effie. Um, Maybe just, you know, Joey Janela setting his foot on fire. But their bread and butter really is deathmatch wrestling. And uh, for some of these shows that we don't often hear the most about, 
uh, well, a lot of deathmatch wrestling occurs, and this is a case where we are hearing about it because something went wrong in this match. I'm not going to play the spot, but I'm going to at least show a bit of a still shot here. Um, no, no blood. Don't worry about it, everybody. But basically, this was a match between Slade and Hoodfoot where the two of them were using broken light tubes to stab each other in the arm. Uh, this resulted in a really bad laceration from Hoodfoot. Uh, referee is trying to tape up this cut with <laughs> medical tape, <laughs> like, and you know, I the think, rest yeah, of- it almost looks like kinesio tape, and it's just like, no, no, that's not what it's for. <laughs> It was a right roll of tape that was not going to do shit to this cut, okay? And, of course, as wrestlers and deathmatch wrestlers, you know, they're they're trying to continue the, the, the match. Referee is trying to step in to try to stop it. Eventually, Brett Lauderdale decides to check it out himself, and he was the one to stop the match. So um, we do have some updates, of course, from some of those parties involved, including Hoodfoot, or including Brett Lauderdale, first of all, who says, quick update, Hoodfoot had a nasty gash, but he is okay. Wanted to go back to the ring to finish, but that's not going to happen tonight. Ha ha. He's headed to the hospital for a few stitches and will live to fight another day. Hoodfoot also tweets that sometimes you get dumb ideas that work out. Yeah, this wasn't that. I appreciate all the love and messages. I'm going to bounce back soon. Kate, you've had a chance to see the spot. Uh, what was your reaction mm-hmm. to it? Um, it was... Uh... um it it was bloodier than blood and guts it was uh i mean look to me ah i think what shocked me was that this uh, slade was uh, at first it looked like he was really jamming this light tube into the guy's arm when i watched it again it didn't it looked more like it might have been accidental but for christ's sake this is exactly the kind of injury that that made Nick Gage die for several minutes is a severing of the brachial artery. Um, and it's all like, you look at it and the wound's almost in the exact same place. It's like, you can, you can use the light tubes, but just, you know, know a little bit of human anatomy, know the areas of the body that are difficult to, that, that are dangerous to hit. It is much, it's actually, it's much safer to take one of those things over the head or across the chest than it is to take it in the arm or the leg. And uh, again, because there is this is such a well-known story uh, within the, the wrestling community about how this particular type of gouge can go wrong, it shocks me that they weren't more careful. Um, I'm very glad to know that he's recovering. I did notice that he is now forced to uh, turn to running a, a GoFundMe. I don't think it's a GoFundMe. I think he's just put his PayPal address out there to... Um, uh, to offset some some of the medical costs, and I wish him the best with that. Uh, uh, you can check it out. the The link is on his uh, his Twitter account, and I I forwarded it like a, a little earlier today. Uh, I I wish him the best, but just I think if you're going to do this kind of match, I I have a fair amount of patience for death matches. I enjoy them. Um, I love I, I really do love the use of light tubes, uh, but you got to be smarter about how you use them. Um, oh, there, it, this is a very dangerous form of wrestling, and you have to be smart about it. I am incredibly conflicted when it comes to deathmatch wrestling because, like you, like when it's great, I really enjoy it. There's nothing like it. You know, it is like the the most kind of like 
I don't know, guttural feeling like you can mm-hmm. possibly have as a professional wrestling fan. And I love that the variation of this thing that we all like exists uh, as extreme as it is. You know, I, I, I think there's a real place for it. But when I see spots like this, I just have incredible concern for how, what is going on. Like, how are we subjecting, like, how are we allowing people to do this for entertainment? And, you know, even like the idea that a wrestler himself has to put up a PayPal to get money to try to pay for his medical bills. That to me raises many red flags about how, how GCW, like what, what, what is GCW's role in this and how, how are they, you know, consciously able to facilitate something like this without um, having the financial backing to deal with potential, uh, the, the, the medical costs or potentially worse that could happen here? I, you know? And I think that uh, it's funny because the last time that I was on the news or one of, one of the last times was the show that was the day after or the show after Joey Janela set his foot on fire. And there were some concerns about that, about uh, how the the people on site didn't seem to know how to safely deal with the, the fire and put it out. I, uh, again, the, there's something comic but also deeply unsettling about the the ref just trying to tape up this gaping wound um that that is bleeding profusely again i think that this is the kind of thing it can be it can be done there there is an art to it but you need to have people on hand who know what they're doing and you need to sort of like it, with these really dangerous spots they need to be worked out before and you need to to know that that there is someone around who can deal with it when things go wrong, because there will be instances of that. There always will be in, in wrestling, but particularly in the style. I want to uh, put a, a little uh, chat up here from John Pine, who says really John Pine, of course, our GCW reviewer, he's got a report right up right now about the whole show, including the injury uh, on postwrestling.com. John Pine says really unfortunate injury last night. I'm glad Hoodfoot is okay. The spot was pretty stupid, but the assumed risk is part of the allure for the competitors and the fans. It did overshadow an incredible match between Nick Wayne, Jordan Oliver, and Alex Shelley. So mm-hmm. uh, full report is up right now at postwrestling.com. And, you know, from some of the reaction that I've seen from Deathmatch Wrestling fans, it's it's that um, there is a careful way of doing Deathmatch Wrestling, despite, you know, how reckless it's supposed to look on, 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 on screen. There are rules, uh, presumably, that people should be abiding by. And um, I, I suppose stabbing the artery, an artery with a, light tube um is is not one of those anyway so um if you're looking for a bit of um a, a wake up uh this morning you can go and potentially check that clip out that's up there right now on the internet uh finally here kate uh raw and smackdown sorry smackdown and aew rampage tonight let's start off here with smackdown you're don't scare up- me like that <laughs> yeah no three raw hours and smackdown. <laughs> you're holding up incredibly well considering the two hours of sleep i have to say kate but uh uh, whether or not you'll be making it up um, for um, tonight, well, let me know because we have Raquel Rodriguez, Lacey Evans, and Shotzi squaring off against Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, and Asuka in a battle of the band. Brand, <laughs> battle of the brands. Battle of the bands. Sign me up. Oh, yeah. who'd be the who'd be the drummer? Who'd be the bassist here in this thing? Um, I'd love to see Asuka playing the drums with the wild hair and the, the, yeah. the her, her energy. That's that, that's all Li- I want. 
I think Liv would be a uh, Shotzi would be a cool bassist. I think you know Shotzi. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course she for maybe lead singer. What am I saying? Raquel yeah. would be the bassist. Um, yeah. And I guess Lacey, Lacey would be a guitarist. I think. I think with those other ones, I'm now trying to figure out how Lacey fits <laughs> into this little diagram. Like, I can put Liv, Shotzi, and Asuka together pretty quickly. So maybe they'd just be like a sort of power trio. Mm. And I guess, I don't know, the others would. Uh, I, 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 I think sure. Vince, should, Vince should tear up that script right now and, and instead uh, take the R out, make it a battle of the oh, he will. band. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it is unfortunately uh, at, at current standing a battle of the brands. So that has taken place ahead of Money in the Bank between all six competitors on uh, Sunday. I believe there's seven competitors, aren't there? Um, I did think there, yeah, there, there were supposed to be, and I'm trying to think, I think there is still one oh, position Becky, Becky, left there. for Becky. Yes. No, sorry. Yeah, that's Becky's. it. They filled it on Monday. Yes, of course. Um, interesting uh, that she's the one left out here. Um, although it kind of makes sense. Like she is your biggest star. Maybe you don't want her involved in this match. Um, yeah. Also on the show, the New Day look to repel the raid of the Viking Raiders. Okay. The raid of the Viking Raiders. There you go. So, uh, uh, plenty of alliteration ahead of uh, the newly heel Viking Raiders. And I Indeed. believe we're supposed to find out our final men's entrant into the Money in yes. the Bank as well. So That's that the one is, still outstanding. So that is SmackDown. Now, AEW Rampage pre-taped already from Detroit uh, from what is said to be, uh, again, a tremendous, tremendously hot crowd from uh, Wednesday. The Royal Rampage featuring 20 competitors with the winner receiving their first shot at AEW Interim World Champion, John Moxley. Uh, there are plenty of people in this, among them Orange Cassidy, Keith Lee, Powerhouse Hobbs, Penta, uh, Kanosuke Takeshita, Hangman Page is a part of this, Roosh, Darby Allen, uh, Swerve Scott, Max Caster, Matt Hardy, Brody King. Uh, I have read spoilers, so I will not. Um, reveal my thoughts on it, but Kate, I have, have not. You? Okay, what, what are your uh, I thoughts? have not read. I have not read spoilers. Um, I'm a little hamstrung uh, because I, I heard uh, you and John discussing this the other day, and I agree that there's a very delicate balance you have to hit depending on when you're going to have have this match because who wins it, I think, is determined by when you're going to have it, whether it's going to be on TV, whether it's going to be on Battle of the Belts, um, and you have guys of at different levels of, I guess, seniority or priority within the company. I think, um, I, I going back to like uh, Darby Allen and John Moxley was a match they did very early on, and it was is very entertaining, scary at times, but um, that's one they could go to. But I don't know if Darby feels a little too high profile for TV at this point. Um, could be, um. I I don't know. Like Keith Lee feels a little again. He feels like too big, but no pun intended. A, an opponent to just put on TV, um, especially if you're just going to have him lose. Um, I, so yeah, I'm not. Uh, I, I would not be entirely surprised to see an outsider like Dikeshda or Roosh take it. But I don't know what happened. Everyone else can laugh at me when I inevitably get this wrong. So. <laughs> Also on the show, we have the Young Bucks taking on the team of Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi on the show. Yes, uh, New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling Forbidden Door um, 
leftovers. I, I mean, that sounds terrible, but uh, we have, uh, you know, uh, the Young Bucks. This, this is not a tag team title match. So this is their chance to earn a tag team title shot if yeah. Goto and Yoshihashi end up winning. Uh, we also have Nyla Rose versus Tony Storm. Any thoughts on either of those two matches, Kate? Um, I crap on WWE all the time for doing this. You fight the champions for a chance to fight the champions. So same with AEW. I I don't love this. Um, I think you either give them the shot or you don't. I guess the reason why you don't give them the shot here is because the the ending would be so clear. Um, At the rankings as just, well, I think they they yeah they have to justify in some way. Yeah, um, I I think. I don't know what the workaround would have been, but I I don't like this uh, this way of doing it. Uh, Tony versus Nyla, I'm I'm interested in. Like that's we haven't seen uh, Tony. I don't think face a, a real. Well, there aren't uh, there isn't another real powerhouse like Nyla in the AEW women's division. So I'm looking forward to it because I think Tony does such a good underdog, and that's very much the role she's going to be cast in here. So I I expect that one to be entertaining. Yeah, now Tony Storm, of course, coming off of a failed title challenge um, against uh, Thunder Rosa on uh, Sunday. So we mm-hmm. shall see if um, what her next storyline might win. be. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I will be back again with John Pollock tonight for Rewind of SmackDown slash Rampage. Again, it's the first of the, one, uh, of the month. It's July 1, the first of the month. So sign up at postwrestlingcafe.com for a bunch of bonus shows, including Rewind of SmackDown tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern, live for all patrons. Kate, um, I think you should sleep less more often when we're doing these <laughs> shows because I thought you were fantastic here. Great takes, oh, sharp as so ever. Much. Where can people find more of you? You can find me on Twitter. I am She Rants About Wrestling, which is at She Rants MTL. I cover a lot of wrestling and wrestling adjacent stuff there um and uh, a lot of opinions <laughs> so if you great, like what you heard here then a lot of very means. a lot of great opinions um you know if you're looking for a link to to the logan paul ksi story that that is up there as well she finds great things and she watches a lot and she rants a whole lot so uh, do check her out i will be back later tonight and until then see you guys later bye-bye